But someday, kids, you will stay down here and you will hear me. And you will pay attention. I was in a high school class once and a guy fell asleep in the class and he kind of fell asleep with his mouth like this and the teacher wadded up a paper ball and he dropped it in his mouth. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cruel. He got, and everybody laughed. And, but you know what? He never fell asleep in class again. Now Mother's Day matters for all of us. First of all, of course, all of us have mothers. That's how we got here, right? Now, some of our moms are no longer with us, but that's where we all started. So there's also the reality that some of us have wives who are mothers. Some of us have daughters who are mothers. Many of us still have grandmothers or grandfathers with us or those in our lives that we relate to in some way as grandparents. So Mother's Day is universal in these and other ways. Now, biblically, Mother's Day is important too. It's a way we can practice the biblical commandment to love and honor our mothers. And that doesn't just mean giving them a gift or a card on Mother's Day, although that's important. You probably do that too. Honor is a year-round thing, and it's lifelong. It's a commitment and a commandment that actually made the top ten. We see these top ten lists all the time, right? Well, this made the top ten. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord, the Lord your God is giving you. We have to remember that this commandment is not set aside in the New Testament. It's just, we can't say this is just an Old Testament thing. Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and Paul in Ephesians 6 reiterate this commandment and that makes it significant for us in an ongoing way and it makes it applicable to all of our lives. Now, some of us may think, still trying to maybe get off the hook on Mother's Day, well, Mother's Day is not about me. Well, of course I have a mother, but she's gone now. I have a wife, but she's not a mother. We might think that. Since she's not a mother, that means I also don't have a daughter who's a mother. So Mother's Day doesn't really mean that much to me. But, you know, the Bible doesn't let any of us off the hook with Mother's Day. Paul actually encourages us to treat all older women as mothers. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So there it is, folks. None of us, not a one of us here, can tune out this morning in any way. So if you were inclined to do that, there you go. This is very important to God, and it's very important to us. So instead of just thinking of what you should buy or give to your mother or mother figures in your life for Mother's Day, we should be thinking, am I honoring my mother in an ongoing way? And how can I do better? At the top of your list should be praying for her, thanking God for her, and telling her you love her and are praying for her. You know, that's so important. We need to say it. We need to say it. We need to say it to our moms. We need to say to the important people in our lives. There are no exceptions in the commandment to honor your mother. And it doesn't say, well, honor her, but only if she says and does what you like. Mothers should never feel like they're insignificant to their children. I realize that many of these kinds of things assume a reasonably functional relationship with your mother. And I know that some of us here this morning, that's not what you have. Or maybe you never had that. Of course, 
There are those of us whose mothers are gone, and we had that happen this past year. Several of us lost mothers this past year. My mother died a year and a half ago, Barb's mom about three years ago now. But one of the ways we can honor our mothers, or honor our mother's memory, and the motherly influences that we have in our lives, is spoken of in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, where it says, Keep your father's commands, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Mother's Day, i got to tell you, is one of the toughest days of the year to preach. Nobody volunteered to preach this Mother's Day, so I filled the slot. Okay, None of the guys jumped in, oh, I want to preach Mother's Day. That's primarily because it seems that Mother's Day is a minefield of different emotions for so many in any given church. For example, some of us didn't have or don't have mothers who are godly. And that makes any admonition to honor our mothers or even remember or think about our mothers a real challenge. Some of us have or maybe even had or even still have painful relationships with our mothers. So thinking of them on this day is tough. Some of you are mothers and maybe your kids aren't walking with the Lord or you're estranged from them for one reason or another. And that causes a special kind of grief on Mother's Day. Some want to be mothers, but they aren't, or they can't be for one another, one reason or another, and that leads to another kind of grief. Some of us had great mothers, but they're gone to be with the Lord, and we miss them. Of course, some of us have wonderful mothers, or we have mother figures right in this very room, and still have a great relationship with them. But you can see that with all these potential realities, and I can look around the room and see every one of those kind of situations that I mentioned this morning, It presents some very real challenges to any preacher who wants to focus on Mother's Day in a message. But then uh, Joel asked me right before we came out this morning after praying, is it going to be a Mother's Day message? I said, what choice do I have? (laughs) You know? I mean, Father's Day, we can actually get away with preaching something else. Say, happy Father's Day, way to go guys, and then move on to something else. But we can't really do that on Mother's Day. One thing we all have in common, regardless of where you might fit into the minefield that I described, is that we all have mothers. Our mothers gave us life. Whether they turned out to be great moms or terrible moms or something in between, the Bible is very clear that we are to honor our mothers. So what do we do with all this on Mother's Day and tiptoe through the minefield, right? What do we do? Well, we recognize the realities of these situations, and then we take the plunge, we tiptoe through the minefield, trying not to explode. And we, more importantly than that, we look at the Word of God. It's interesting to consider this passage of Scripture we read a moment ago in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Let me read it again. Keep your father's commands, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So for the sake of this morning's message, in hopes of tiptoeing through the minefield, We're going to look at the do not forsake your mother's teaching part. Some of our most memorable moments in life are captured in things that our mothers said to us, aren't they? Some of them are quite moving. Some of them are very profound. Some seem wise, and some are just kind of funny. A little quick research will produce dozens of what some people call momisms. Anybody heard the phrase momisms? Every mom has a favorite quote or a special tone to scold or teach a lesson to their kids. And we might hate this momism when we're a kid, but we miss them when we're all grown up. 
this sometimes harsh sounding and yet so sweet advice from mothers, it what, it's part of what makes our childhood very special. We can remember these things that our moms said to us. These motherly sayings go a long way in building us up and making us a better person. And so though we sometimes laugh about our moms for their statements or maybe the way they say things, ironically, most of us end up using the exact same momism that we received from our mothers to our own kids. So here's a list of some of the most common and popular momisms. Always wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident. How many of your moms said that to you? A lot of us. Answer me when I ask you a question. Are you going out dressed like that? Are your hands broken? Pick it up yourself. I'm not your maid. As long as you live under my roof, you'll do as I say. Call me when you get there just so I know you're okay. Don't go out with a wet head. You'll catch cold. Don't pick that scab, it'll get infected. Don't talk with your mouthful. Don't ever let me catch you doing that again. Don't make me come in there. Look at this room, it looks like a pigsty. Anybody ever seen a pigsty? What part of no don't you understand? You will always be my baby. Haven't we heard those things, right? Now, it seems to me that there's some truth in at least some of these things that we read this morning. Some common sense, too. But I got to thinking, are there some momisms that are really more like Proverbs? Truths that are borne out in some way in some passage of Scripture? I think there are. Just so happens. I just think there are. And we're going to explore a handful of these this morning. I also thought that In describing an aspect of his grace or his mercy, God has actually compared himself in his word with qualities that we would most often associate with mothers. We read in Isaiah 66, 13, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. So that's God speaking to us through Isaiah. Most of us can relate to a mother's comfort. Sometimes when things are difficult, Isn't it true you just need your mom? You just need your mom. There's no substitute. Even among others, in those who uh, maybe love you very much and you're absolutely comfortable, sometimes you just need your mom. Even as adults sometimes, we just need to talk to mom or in some cases maybe a mother figure in our lives. We have a lot of those mother figure types right in this very church, and that's a cool thing too, you know, because we have... We have biological moms, but we have spiritual moms, and we have emotional moms, and that's a wonderful thing. Let me encourage you to take advantage of that. I could name names, but I don't want to do that because that's another minefield I don't want to have to tiptoe through because I'm sure to leave somebody out if I do that. I hope many of us will be smart enough or wise enough to see the grace and wisdom of God in these women in our church. And know that it's in your best spiritual interest to draw from that well. What a tremendous resource we have in this church. So many godly women and godly men take advantage of these resources because God may actually use these mother figures or father figures in your life, even if your parents are actually great. Even if your parents are actually great. So back to Isaiah where we see God drawing a comparison between a mother's comfort and his comfort. So While that doesn't mean a mother's comfort is equal to God, what God can do, after all, God has called 
the father or the God of all comfort in Scripture. But a mother's comfort is something that at least most of us can understand, right? And God presents this as an illustration of how he comforts us. Perhaps we often find that God's agent of his comfort is a mother. And it's clear that there are things about mothers, the things they say they do, that in some ways reflect God the Father. With that in mind, I want to look at some of the things, again, that mothers have been known to say called momisms, that just might be things we should pay attention to rather than dismiss or just think are humorous. How about this one for starters? Money does not grow on trees. Okay, I can't quote chapter and verse for that one. However, how about this? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. So one of the jobs of parents is to teach children stewardship the value of money and possessions and the source of those things, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And then we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So when we see a momism like money doesn't grow on trees, the statement that that doesn't go on trees could be considered maybe a memorable way of telling us that money takes hard work. More importantly, having money is ultimately the Lord's provision for us. Having money is a responsibility before God. Having money shouldn't be something that controls us or owns us. Can you pack all that into that statement, money doesn't grow on trees? God is our provider, and we can learn contentment in material things. Of course, all of these things are not contained in that simple momism. However, at least some of that, I think, is implicit in that statement. How about this momism? If I talk to my mother like you talk to me. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. This is usually said when the child either raises a voice at a parent or says something disrespectful or maybe even something hateful. Or here's the unspoken way of doing that. You roll your eyes at your mom or your dad. Whoa. I think there are some biblical admonitions that we could find supporting this mom momism also in a more common way of communicating spiritual truth. How about Proverbs 20.20? 20? If a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Exodus 21.17, He who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Whoa. Leviticus 20, verse 9, If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father and his mother, and his blood will be on his own head. Now, especially at first blush in our culture, okay, think about that. That sounds pretty over the top, doesn't it? Sounds pretty harsh. In our culture, sassing your parents or maybe giving them an attitude of disrespect, it might get you grounded. It might cause you to lose some privileges. And depending on how old you are, it might get you a spanking. But in America, and really most of the world, it's quite unlikely to get you snuffed out or put to death. 
However, though I'm not advocating this, I don't think I'm necessarily advocating this, nobody here would condone that. These passages, why are they there for us? They let us know how seriously God takes this admonition to honor your mother. While the punishment has changed, what hasn't changed is how God looks at this, how seriously he takes it. Cursing your mother or your father certainly isn't honoring them. That's easy to see. And the consequences were severe. Here's another momism that, believe it or not, I found a scripture to relate that with this last one we just saw. We just looked at the momism. If I talk to my mother like you talk to me, how about this one? Be careful or you'll put your eye out. We usually hear that related to a dangerous activity or a toy, such as you'll shoot your eye out with that BB gun or run with that stick and you'll put your eye out. Well, how are these two related? Well, let me read this from Proverbs and we'll see. The eye that mocks a father that scorns obedience to a mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. Whoa, how about that? So next time, moms or dads, remember this one. You can combine the two, perhaps sounding something like this. If I talk to my mother like you're talking to me, well, you'd better be careful because you'll put your eye out. And then you can read Proverbs 30, verse 17 to enhance that momism just a little bit. Now, I make light of that on the one hand because you can find justification for almost anything or any idea in Scripture if you want to twist it, and that's kind of what I just did. Yet again, this proverb reinforces the strength of the biblical admonitions to honor, obey, and respect our parents. We've seen before that this may look different when we get older, but this command never expires with age. It doesn't have an expiration date stamped on this commandment. It never expires with age. We're to honor our mothers. We're to honor each other. We're to honor God, not primarily because of what they've accomplished, because of what they've achieved or excelled at, or even how good they are to us. We're to honor them because of the position they hold. We're to honor our mothers just because they are our mothers. Because of what they are and who they are. Because of the God-given position of mother. This is where we can relate these other momisms to another one. Because I'm your mother, that's why. We've heard that, haven't we? Deuteronomy 5.16 Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. And, you know, look at that. There's, there's the commandment, but there's a promise that goes with it, that it will go well with you. Isn't that good news? This is where it gets difficult, though, again, because I realize that while many, maybe even most of us, can find wonderful things that we could actually say and mean about our mother's character and achievements as it directly relates to us, in other words, our mothers did this for us, our mothers did that for us, As we've already noted, some of us here didn't have or don't have very good mothers. But when the Word of God says to honor our mothers, this command has little to do with anything other than position. Whenever a child trusts in God and obeys His Word, he honors his parents. Even an unbelieving parent is honored by a believing and obedient child. But what if a person has parents who are hardly worthy of honor? Can't we all think of those children we know 
whose parents seem to have done everything they could to ruin their lives. Children who have been maybe physically or emotionally or even sexually abused will have to deal with the effects of this thing for the rest of their life. How can such children honor their parents? When we honor our parents, we acknowledge that they have been appointed by God to be our parents and to receive our honor. Honoring parents who are not worthy of honor can only be done when we recognize that God has appointed them to be parents. They're honored not for their God-given performance, but for their God-given position as a parent. Biblical honor, again, is mostly positional. So obedience when we're young is certainly to our benefit, and it's the key way we can honor our mothers. But as young adults, that changes at some point after you leave home. Then we honor our parents by appreciating what they've contributed to our lives. As mature adults, we honor our parents for caring or by caring for their needs. And there are many of us in that position today or just recently have been in, this, in that position. And that may include everything from caring for their physical needs because they're growing more frail to caring for their financial needs. So honoring parents takes different forms for different people and in different circumstances. But the bottom line is that the commandment to honor our mothers never changes. It never changes. There's no expiration date. Here's another momism with biblical truth behind it. What if everyone jumped off a cliff? Would you do it too? And a related momism. I don't care what everyone is doing. I care what you are doing. Isaiah 3, 12 says, Those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. Exodus 34, 16 says, And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for sons and as those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. 1 John 2.26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. 1 John 3.7, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. And Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what are we talking about here when mom says, what if everyone jumped off a cliff with you too? We're talking about influence, aren't we? We're talking about influence. When moms say things like that, they're pointing out that there are influences in our lives and not all of them are good. Some of them may be good, some of them may not be. They're asking us to consider whether these influences will lead us away from God or if they'll lead us into a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Will they lead us off of a cliff? They're teaching us to take responsibility for our choices and not just follow the crowd. That's a good momism, I think. And then we have this one. If we can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Dallas must have said a lot of bad stuff. And he learned because he says nothing but good stuff now. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. Matthew 12.36, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. James 1.19, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech 
Always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. What is this momism telling us? Words matter. Words matter. How we speak to one another matters. Even the little things, they matter, especially in our relationships with one another. So this momism is admonishing us to encourage one another and exhibit the grace of God to one another as we speak to one another. What we say to each other and how we say it is a critical part of godly and peaceful relationships. Our next momism is this one. If you fall out of that tree and break your leg, don't come running to me. <laughs> don't you love that one? Now this one's funny, and it may kind of seem to lack a little bit of compassion, right? Of course, how are you going to come running if you've broken your leg? But anyway, what it's really saying is that choices have consequences. And most of the time, we've been warned about the consequences. You know, there's very few consequences that are totally unexpected if you think about it. There may be some. You just don't know any better. But we've been warned most of the time in advance. We see this idea uh, spoken of in the Word as well with Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Proverbs 22, verse 8, He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. And Proverbs 1, 31 says, They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their So there are consequences, right? There are consequences, and we've been warned. Most of the time we've been warned about the consequences of those things. So if you fall out of that tree, don't come running to me. How about this momism? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. We are a forgetful people. And moms are usually among the first to notice that. And Scripture often notes that we need reminders. We read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body couple verses later, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you'll always be able to remember these things. And Romans 15, 15, even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. Gordon has said, and I don't know who he quoted, our brains leak, and it's true. It's true, our brains leak. We've got something in there, and it leaks out. We need reminders, and Scripture is full of that. We need reminders. So mom says, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, she's going to tell you a thousand more times if it's something important. The last momism I'd like to look at this morning is, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Now kids don't get that, right? They don't get that, because all they know is their own hurt, right? But it's true. Both moms and dads... If you're a parent, you know that that is true. It's easier emotionally to suffer yourself than to watch the children you love more than your own life suffer. It's really true. This includes both things that happen to them, and it even includes those trials that are to some degree self-inflicted. 
that doesn't change how we feel about them, even if the things that are happening to them are self-inflicted. One of the greatest lessons that parents learn when their children hurt is in getting just a glimpse of how God feels, how he feels when we hurt for any reason, but also how he feels especially when we reject his love and his grace. Now, I want to be very careful here because we can't draw an exact parallel between God's feelings and ours. Our feelings change. They come and go depending on the circumstances. Our feelings and emotions are often a result of our fallen imperfection, but God is perfect and holy. So we have to be careful that we don't assign to God the exact same emotional life that we have. Nevertheless, even though it's not exactly the same, it's very clear from Scripture that though God feels in a way we can't necessarily entirely understand, the language of Scripture helps us relate to this in words that we can understand. As Jim looked at in depth last week, God cares. He does feel. He does feel for us. We read in Psalm 78 verse 40, how often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. Isaiah 63:10, but they rebelled and grieved his holy spirit. Lamentations 3:33, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 6, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Wow, what a sobering passage of scripture. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. It begs the question, did God regret creating us? Some people use this passage and others to try to show that God is not omniscient. In other words, that he doesn't know everything and so he can make some mistakes. That's how these things happened. But if we consider these other scriptures, it can't possibly mean that. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Malachi 3, 6, I the Lord do not change. He doesn't change in his purposes and his plans toward us. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So instead, what we see here is that God was expressing sorrow for what the people did to themselves, as a parent might express sorrow over a rebellious child. God was sorry that the people chose sin and death instead of relationship with him. But when we read these other passages where it describes God's grief and his pain at our sinful choices, we can all relate to the truth in this momism. This hurts me more than it hurts you. One way our sin hurts God more than it hurts us is seen here in what our sin cost him. Think about this. John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our sin separates us from God apart from the sacrificial love of Christ. A very real picture of how our sin hurts him 
more than it hurts us. As sinful human beings, we have no light of our own. Do you ever think about that? We're, we're more like moons than we are like the sun. We reflect the light of the sun. And this morning I hope we've seen that mothers can reflect God's light. Even in some of these silly little momisms that we've looked at. After all, it seems in so many of these proverbial momisms, what do we see? Mom was right. Huh? Mom was right. So this morning, let's be grateful that God has given us mothers. Mothers who can reflect God's wisdom and love in some of these momisms. Mothers who can reflect God's compassion in their compassion for us. And mothers who shine the light of God's love in little ways and big ways that we get to benefit from throughout the course of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful people this morning. We're grateful for the mothers you've given us. We're grateful, Father God, for uh, the things that they tell us, the things that they teach us. Father, help us to pay attention to these things. Help us to live by these things, especially those things that, even as we've seen, relate to what you have spoken in your word, that our moms reflect the love of Christ. They reflect the love of God. And Lord, we desire to reflect your love as well. Thank you, Father, for this Mother's Day. And thank you for our moms. In Jesus' name, amen.